Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Tuesday show for the Athletic Hockey Show. We're two days ahead of the one true Thanksgiving. It's the only version of the holiday that's recognized on this podcast. Should be the only version of this holiday that's recognized <laughs> across the United States. Producer Jeff has just dropped into the video call to give me uh, the finger. He's a, pre- he's, a, he's a proud Canadian. We don't need to get into that. But happy holiday. Ho- happy holiday week, everybody. Sean Gentilly here. No Custance yet again. Sorry for all six of you that that will probably some kind of deal breaker, but he'll be, he'll be back eventually. He's doing, as I said last week, much more, much more important things than BSing with me about nonsense. But we have another really good replacement here. Max Boltman covers the Detroit Red Wings for The Athletic. What's up, dude? Not a lot, man. I, uh, I'm starting to develop a theory, though, that Craig is... He's like the the word and phrase bands that you guys have accepted <laughs> since the dawn of the show have finally gotten to him. And he's taking all this time because he knows he can't string together a month straight without them. It's like it's a prison of his own design. Like yes. he's worse with that stuff than I am. He's got ma- way more like vocal, vocal ticks and vocal crutches than I do. So he's like run out of run out of stuff to say. He's tired of plugging his book. All these things we hear from him every week. He's, he's just he's just t- taking a couple breaks around, but he'll but he'll be back. So, me and Max are here. We're gonna we're gonna carry you through. Uh, not the last pre-holiday episode, but you know the last episode of the show that matters. That's as right. I've said. Uh, and we we have Josh Yoey on the show. It's a dude I've worked with quite a bit over the years. Both Pittsburgh guys. He's obviously the Penguins beat writer here. It's been a big week in Pittsburgh, dude. Not just not just because of the sales stuff either. I mean, it's obviously that was the big the big bit of news that dropped last week is that the Lemieux Group's selling to, to to Fenway Sports. You know, that's a big deal in and of itself, and we're certainly going to get into that with Josh. But the other the other thing is that the Penguins are kind of making the move uh, that a lot of us were expecting from them, <laughs> and not and not a moment too soon. A couple, no. a, they've got whatever six six points out of their last six and it was time to get moving. I think that team did a good job to stay in the race and keep their head above water, you know, over the first, the first, whatever, six weeks of the season. Cause no Crosby, no Malkin injuries across the board, COVID problems, blah, blah, blah. They did a good job to, you know, their points percentage was about, about 50, about 50%, a couple like last week or whatever. It's a miracle they got to that point, honestly. I think Brian Burke had kind of spoken spoken about that last week, right? But they're uh, they're on the move. They had a, like a pretty a pretty fruitful Canada trip, and Josh was there for all of it. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, they, they gave up like one goal on the whole swing, right? Montreal, Toronto, and and, uh, mm-hmm. and Winnipeg. I think they only gave up one goal the entire Canadian swing. Jari Jari's playing well. I, I think that's sort of you know we've, we've and we'll we'll get into detail with this with with Josh you know, later on. But I think that was 
a big storyline for their season was like just how good could Tris and Jari play before people felt some level of confidence in him to like keep it together moving forward because he's been really inconsistent at best in the regular season for his career so far. And obviously he hit the self-destruct button against against the Islanders in, in the playoffs last year. So he had a lot of proving to do. And I'm still not sure that he's there, but you know, like you said, dude, three straight really good games. His save percentage is, is, is up around 930 for the season. You know, he's been he's been really good. And I think that's one of the interesting things about them, right? Is like, is he good enough for them to have real faith in him moving forward? Not just the fan base, but that front office as well. Cause you know, you look at Casey DeSmith and all and, and all that stuff. That's a really interesting goaltending situation. Well, I mean, is he kind of in the individualized version of living the Toronto Maple Leafs experience where oh God, almost yeah, nothing totally. until the playoffs is even going to register for him, like in either direction? I, dude, I felt that way. It's funny. I'm feeling that way about the Leafs now kind of in tandem, in tandem with Jari. Like there, there's a certain level, whether you're talking about a team or a player, that once they hit some level of excitement or some level of confidence just sets in inevitably whether you're talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs and everything they've done and not done over the last 10, 20, 50 years, or you're talking about Tristan Jari, who, I mean, single-handedly, you know, dropped the playoff series of a few months ago. I think that, I think that team and that player are kind of both at the point now where you feel like, you feel like you can have some confidence in them. You feel like you can bet at least a little bit on them, you know, if only in the regular season, right? 100%. Hundred percent. I mean, this was not playoff hockey this week, but I will say he did just go. His last two games were head to head with two of the goalies who have played the best in the mm-hmm. league this season. Jack Campbell mm-hmm. and Connor Hellebuck went toe to toe with him, won those games. You know, like you you win three one and two zero. Those are those are goalie wins, right? In the mm-hmm. NHL, like you, totally. you should you give up two or even three goals in the NHL, and you give yourself a really good chance to win. Um, and those that's what Montreal or uh, sorry Toronto and Winnipeg did to, to Pittsburgh, but Jari was better and. And so now the, the Penguins. I think I woke up today. I don't. I don't know if they're in it by playoff uh, by a points percentage, but I believe they're in a playoff spot as we speak right now by points. Yeah, I fell asleep during most of that third period last night against Winnipeg because I'm because I'm because I'm old now. So I, I woke up with five minutes left in the game, and it was like, oh, they're up three one. What happened? But yeah, I mean, it's 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 proving time. It's 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 puckering time <laughs> because of the kind of new age NHL adage that we've all kind of internalized right. over, over the last couple of years, right? Where it's like, if you're not in a playoff spot, come American Thanksgiving, you are in deep, deep shit. And it's, it's as true now as it was a couple of years ago, honestly, because we haven't, we haven't had a normal season. We haven't had, <laughs> there were no games on Thanksgiving last year and the season before that blew up. But the rule of thumb, and I know Elliot Friedman was one of the first guys that I can remember kind of bringing this up and Dom wrote about it extensively a a couple years ago. But the rule of thumb for anybody who doesn't know is that around 80% 80 of the teams that are in playoff spots on American Thanksgiving, and again, or or, no, excuse me, on Thanksgiving, there is no such thing as Canadian Thanksgiving. Around 80% of those teams that are in those spots on that Thursday in late November end up making the playoffs. So we're we're here, dude. We're We're two weeks out. So you can look at these teams and and obviously that's because the loser point, right? Like it's just tough to it's just tough to make up tough to make up grounds when you got when you got three point when you got three point games. But it's time to do the assessment. It's time to go through these teams and figure out, you know, who we can kind of pencil in and then 
who of the uh, which of the two point seven teams statistically or like whatever it is we should we we should be worried about. Like it's it's time to it's time to kind of calculate that. Yeah, the math says three of the teams that are in will uh, about three of the teams that were in will fall out, and about three of the teams that are out will will work their way in. So I guess we should uh, we should probably pick who's who. All right, we're just gonna we're gonna go through like go through the wild card standings as as indicated on, on NHL.com. We'll start by points, but we'll go by point percentage too because that's just as important. It, it, it's wild, dude. How many? How ma- there's such a disparity in games played, even still now. There's there's a lot of outlier teams. Whether you're talking about Boston, who's you know played whatever eight games in 24 days or something crazy, you know you got Philly playing 16 games and whatever. So points percentage is your friend in, in this exercise. We're definitely we're definitely going to use it because you have teams playing as few as 15 games, then teams playing as many as 20. Right? There's a pretty serious a pretty serious disparity there. Yeah, 100. Um, percent I mean, you, you look at the Islanders who have played what two home games, one home game. Have they even have they played two home games? Yeah, two home games. Yeah, they played. <laughs> like <laughs> they played, they played two because they lost. They lost both of them. They got uh, them and them in Seattle. Kind of are, are working are working in the same boat. They got that new arena bumper at the start of the season in case in case something in case something bad happened and there was like a two week, uh, you know, a, a two week or three week or four week, you know, uh, backlog in, in in construction, right? Yeah, I mean, they're the team that like should be the the, the most like scared at this point, based on that that old axiom. They're, I mean, they're five, eight, and two, uh, way out of the of the playoffs right now. But at the same time, they have all those games in hand, and they're like all home games, and so they're like the one team that you could say in that metro, like you really like their odds to to shoot up, even though they're way back from everybody else. It's true. It's true. They got five games in hand, but they're five, eight, and two. They've got 12 points. Their points percentage is 400, which is uh, third from last in the Eastern Conference, uh, which is insane. Um, It's getting dark early for them (laughs) because you have – here's who they're behind in, in in the Metro alone. They're behind Carolina in Washington, in New York, in Columbus, in Pittsburgh and Philly, in New Jersey, and then and then comes the Islanders. They're eighth in the wild card standings, which is which is which is that's that's the killer, right, dude? There's so many yes. teams that they have to hopscotch there, and they're playing. Everyone thought that like once they once they open that arena and it seems great and all that stuff, everyone's excited about it. They go in and immediately lose, immediately lose two straight. Their losing streak is at six. Everybody loved this team. Dom's model love them. I picked them. I picked them to go to the to go to the cup final. Finally, uh, someone someone who I'm who I'm pretty tight with picked them to <laughs> pick 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 them to win it all. I don't I don't I don't recall I don't who that, that is exactly. Be. Who is that? I don't know who that would be. <laughs> <laughs> I what is, I, I they're out. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to call it. Like, I'm not calling it. I'm not. I'm not calling it. But I will say, I'm way, way more worried about the number of teams than I am the gap. Like, I'm not absolutely. Sweating the fact that's it. That, like, yeah. like you, you look at that in a vacuum, and you're like, all right, you know, it's the Islanders. They're still pretty good. They have these games in hand, and blah blah. And you look at those wild card standings, and you're like, I don't, 
Like, I'm not sure how they're going to hopscotch all, all these all these teams, right? They're four. They're four points. Like, okay, they I have know. they have they have three games in hand on the Sabers, and they're four points behind them and playing terribly. Matt Matt Barzell not having a good season. There's like plenty. There's plenty of stuff to 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 worry about them, right? Like the the process hasn't 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 been there. The results the results cert, certainly have. It's it's uh it's scary. To, and I look. I I know Arthur Staple talked about them uh, a lot on the on the Monday show with. With a, with Ian and Haley, but ugly. It's the Pennsylvania teams that would scare me from the Islanders because number one, they only have one game in hand on the Flyers, and mm-hmm. while I do think Carter Hart is you know making the Flyers look a lot better than than they really are right now, um, that's a big gap. It's seven points with just one game in hand, and you know that's that's a tough road to make up with the loser point, and it's Pittsburgh as they come on strong here, like. Pittsburgh, they do have more games in hand on, but like that's a team that has just as much reason to think that they're going to get a lot better over the, the, the you know remaining sixty whatever games of the season as, as the Islanders do because they're getting healthy. They got Sid back. Like I think there's every reason to believe the Islanders can get improved by just as much as sorry the Penguins can improve by just as much as the Islanders can. Charlie O'Connor wrote something good today, just kind of outlining because the you get the results for Philly and it's and it's you're like okay what's what's the what's the problem here? They're a five and three. You know they're 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 keeping it together. Once once you open the hood a little bit, though, stuff gets ugly for them, right? Their yeah. their their underlines are bad. Their power play is abysmal. Probably long term ish injuries to Ryan Ellis and Kevin Hayes. But there's reason to be skeptical of them. And they're they're in there. They were in there as recently as as yesterday, based on points. Um, and they have two games two games in hand on on Pittsburgh. Depending on how you want to classify them, I, I think they're I think they're in some danger of uh, of falling out. But the one the one we got to talk about specifically is is Columbus, right? Like credit to them six six four and zero in, in their last ten. They're they're on a little bit of a heater. the The underlying numbers are improving. They're in that wild card spot based on points and point percentage, which is uh, which is worth noting. Um. But man, they're the they're the one, right? Like those, are, like that. That's that's the team that I look at, and you're like, God bless them for for doing what they've done so far. But lots of reasons to think that this isn't sustainable. And you know, if a team like all it's going to take is a team like you know Boston playing enough games to get up there, and Pittsburgh riding the ship, which it certainly seems like seems like they've done. Colum- Columbus is the team that's in position in the East where you're like, I, I don't, I don't think this is going to last. Right. If, if we're looking for three, they are number one with a bullet on the team. So they're going to fall out. And in this, I mean, look, I saw Columbus last week and I thought they showed a lot of fight. They came back on the Red Wings late. Um, I really like Cole Sillinger. Uh, they're, they're big rookie out of the 2021 draft, mm-hmm. but to look at the overall 10 and six start for them, I see a ton of schedule wins here. Arizona and Seattle, their first two wins to open the season. They had Detroit. They had Buffalo. They had another one with Arizona. They got uh, they got Dallas early in the year when Dallas was. I mean, Dallas is still probably I wouldn't say woken up yet. Um, I don't think know. that's ga- I don't think that's going to happen at all. They got Colorado at the start of November before Colorado turned back into a juggernaut. Right? Like, I'm not trying to take. I guess I am trying to take it away from Columbus. I'm not trying to disrespect Columbus, but I mm-hmm. am taking it away from Columbus. I do not think. I mean, they're they're the team that's fallen out of this. Well, the funny part of all this is like we're looking at this last night, right? When when we're going over the standings, and like not that I would ever imply that the Detroit Red Wings were going to be 
an actual an actual playoff contender. But sure. I, I think they're a great example of how scheduling can lie this early in a season, right? Because we're, I mean, dude, obviously you're as tapped into them as, as anybody. I don't even think I quite realized how much, because everyone's, everyone's like, you know, oh, good for the Red Wings, like Moritz Sider's this and, and Lucas Raymond's that. And everyone's excited to see them do anything after being in the wilderness for so long. And again, not to, not to disrespect them or take anything away from them, but like you look at that early schedule, not just the teams they were, that they were playing overall, but the times that they caught the teams that they were playing, they caught yep. Vegas, at, they caught Vegas at the absolute bottom, right? They, they caught Chicago at the absolute bottom and they fattened up on, on them. Right. So that's how you see Vegas. That's how you see Detroit, you know, 19 points in 20 games four seventy five point percentage. They're, theoretically in in the thick of it here but you were going over their schedule dude and it's it is it's wild right yeah they, I mean, they, the, the wins are are vancouver columbus chicago they do have two really good wins at, at washington and against edmonton back when edmonton was like 50 percent power play complete mm-hmm. death machine those are their two and that you know though i think those are probably the two wins that sparked the most dialogue but yeah beyond that you mentioned catching vegas at the right time ot win over buffalo ot win over montreal like the signs were there that this was not built to last when you just looked at where the bulk of those points were coming from. Right. And now it's like, I mean, just uh, tomorrow night, St. Louis, that's a tough one. Buffalo. Then they're, then they're at, then they're at Boston. And then in, then in December, their schedule, their schedule gets pretty ugly, right? They got games against the Islanders, which are never tough more against St. Louis, Columbus, Carolina, Minnesota, another Columbus game, the De- the Devils, the Rangers, like there's there's not the only like pencil it in win you have for them in December and whatever. Maybe I shouldn't even say this, but like Seattle, right? Those are just two whatever teams kind of kind of going at it. So, you know, they're an example I think of you know, the benefits of of soft of soft early season scheduling. Um the other the other team I wanted to talk about was the was the Rangers. They're third yes. in the they're third in the Metro. They're eleven four and three. Points percentage is six ninety four, which is fourth in the conference. It's you know whatever. That's all great. They also have a goal differential of zero, which is not something you typically see from it from a team that's eleven four and three or whatever it is. Their X goal is forty six. 0.05, which is third from the bottom in the NHL. You know, you're, they're down there with the Blackhawks and the Coyotes and the Senators and the Sharks and some pretty, some pretty, some pretty bad, pretty whatever teams. Um, do you think that they've banked enough points when you look at that division? And they have 25, so they're five points ahead of Columbus and Pittsburgh, six ahead of Philly. Did they have enough points banked to? kind of ride this out and, and, stay, and stay in either the three or the four spot there. Everything in me is is screaming that this is this is goalie. This is Chris Kreider shooting mm-hmm. 25% or whatever he's shooting right now. But you make a very good point that at some point the gap just gets too crazy mm-hmm. because they're right there with Washington. They have a better points percentage than Tampa Bay. <laughs> right now. You know what I mean? Like right. they are that far ahead. And at the quarter point of the season, you know, it's still early, but they've given themselves a huge cushion. They're not even one of the teams that's played like 20 games. Like, I think they're right. still 17, they're 18. They're, they're at 18. Right. So, so, to, like, so to, know, to have 20 higher end, I, but I know. Not, yeah. to have 25 points banked through 18 games 
this isn't like a Columbus situation, right? Where they're, where they're, where they're 20 or, you know, I don't know, man. It's tough for me. Like I get all the reasons that, that this is going on. Shesterkin's been great and blah, blah, blah. But Oh, brother, I, I, I don't, I, it's, t- it's tough for me to look at a team that's two points behind the Capitals, ev- even if they, even if they uh, regress here and kind of fall back to where, to where we th- think they can or will or whatever. It's tough to imagine them falling out of it entirely. So, w- like, where are we at in the East? Our, our teams, our teams falling out of position. We'll go with one. It's certainly, it's certainly Columbus. Yesterday, when they were in position, would have been would have been the Flyers because again, good as Carter Hart's been, they, there's just there's a lot there's a lot for them to work to, to work through there, and we'll put an asterisk next to the Rangers because I, I think we're both we're both squishy on them. We want to get there in some level. Skeptical. I know it would be, dude. It would it it it'd be fun. I always I always root for chaos, but yeah, I don't know, man. It just feels like it feels like they've banked they've banked a, a few too many at, at this point. We shall Here's my see. question for you. Yeah. How about St. Louis? Like, I mean, we're, we talked most of the East so far. Yeah. But St. Louis is in it right now by points percentage. Do you see in, in by points? Do you see them sticking around up there in the playoffs? I, his, I think Dom has like poisoned the discourse on, on the blues with me because I've just like internalized the fact that they're, that they're trash. I don't know. If, I don't even know if that's, <laughs> I don't even know if that's true, but the, the the underly the underlyings are bad, right? Like they're, I don't know if they have, um, I don't know if they really have the sort of goalie who who you can who you can rely on to go on a heater. Like it's not like a Rangers situation where you can say like, yeah, they're not that good, but there's going to be stretches where Shesterkin, you know, steals three or four for them or, or or gets gets them five points out of eight that they otherwise otherwise sh- otherwise shouldn't have had. Um, I don't know, dude. I'm honestly not sure where I where I, where I stand on, on St. Louis. I think, I think loose Chishin has, has poisoned the well for me. Well, if we're, if we have to find teams here, they're, mm-hmm. they're the obvious Western team that, that you want to gravitate toward. But 100%. I will say they do have kind of the push of, of young talent and new additions here that you like, you know, Cairo and Thomas have been everything that St. Louis wanted them to be so far mm-hmm. this year. Buchnevich, like coming in, has been a, a big boost. I mean, I don't think he's he's dominating at like a crazy level, but he's come in and immediately been a really productive player for them. I could see it. I do think goaltending is still my question for them. Like Bennington's been good, but to your point, not elite to the point that you're going to say he's going to, you know, take take you for two weeks and just give you that seven one and two stretch that teams kind of need to cement themselves as a playoff team in, in a loser point league. Um, but you know, up front, like I'm, you're starting to see a team that has the the blend of depth and and high end and veteran and young to 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 do it. No, definitely, I, I love that forward group, right? Like, I, I think I think that's a that's a really interesting group of players on paper, and the results have been fine. You just look at some of the underlings, and you're just like, I don't I don't know how this is going to hold up for for an 82 game season. What what I will say is what they're tied for second in, in the division right now with Winnipeg. Um, <laughs> the abs are in the rear view mirror, right? Like they've, 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 yeah. they've turned it on in the last couple weeks. They're doing it, doing it without McKinnon nine, five and one overall six thirty three point percentage. Yes. They're, they're fifth in the division right now, but you know, that's just based on, that's based on standings points. Right. So it's impossible for me to look, for me to look at this and not believe that 
by the time it's all said and done, the Colorado, who, by the way, has only played 15 points. That's, that's the reason they're not in there already. It's not, it's not because the slow start. It's because they just haven't, you know, they're, they're three games behind St. Louis and Winnipeg. Um, I think the question then kind of turns into who do you like more St. Louis, St. Louis or the Jets? And they're like, they're weirdly similar teams, right? Like they're, they're teams that have, I, Winnipeg's Winnipeg's five on five numbers are better now than than they have been over the last couple of years, but they're sort of similar in in the in the respect that both have kind of outpaced their their percentages over the last over the last couple of years. Like I think I would soft lean towards Winnipeg to you know in terms of staying in in the top three if you think that the top two are some combo of, of Minnesota and, and, and Colorado, but that's an interesting one, man. The central the central division is fascinating to me because. Everybody was talking it up as being, you know, tough and competitive and whatever. People thought that Dallas was going to bounce back, and people thought that Chicago was going to make the leap, and, and yada yada. And those and those teams are just not they're just not they're not real factors right now. But you do have that, you know, you do have that group at three, four, five that that makes you that makes you wonder. Well, the more I look at this, like I think they both might make it. St. Louis and Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you look at the Pacific, and I'm not sure any of those teams that aren't in it currently. And we could talk about the merits of whether we think Anaheim is legit or not uh, in a minute, but I certainly don't see the Pacific getting two wild cards. They, they, no. they might get one, but I don't think they're getting two. The question then turns into like, who are the two, who are the two wild cards, right? Like you think you assume Vegas is, is going to move up at some point. Um, Nashville is in position and they're, and they're the ones that are, they're the ones that are, that are in trouble, Right. Like if you figure that if you figure that the that the wild card spots end up being some combo of Vegas, Colorado, Winnipeg, and or St. Louis, right? In in some in some order, um, Nashville is sort sort of the one who you're who you're expecting to fall off, right? I mean they're and they're and they're playing well. Matt Duchesne's playing well. UC Saros is one of the best goalies in the league, and blah blah. But it's tough to look at them and think and think they're going to be hanging around. And yeah, I, but, I, also, I, I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to say that Anaheim's going to be going to be in the mix to, towards the end. Like I'm I'm okay I'm okay with saying that just because of how soft the rest of the, the Pacific is. Honestly, yeah, it's a good reason. I mean, they, they get the, the other California teams there, and they're still being propped up by in, immense rookie and young player scoring. Mm-hmm. That like it's fair to treat with a little bit of skepticism. Although you know Troy Terry, I think has has probably done this long enough now this season to, to buy it. Um, but you, you got to see it from a lot of their other young guys. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I think it's fair to buy Anaheim, but I'm, I'm, uh, oh, I'm yeah, not there yet. Soft, give me, nah, give me 10 more games. It's a soft buy. All right. So where do we, where, where do we stand on this? We got, we got the blue jackets falling out. We got the predators falling out and we're watching <laughs> intently watching, uh, the Rangers and to a lesser extent, uh, St. Louis and Winnipeg in the central. It's settled. We're gonna lose. I'm, we're gonna we're we're gonna lose two teams this year, and then instead of three, I, I think that's I'm in on Winnipeg. Do. I'm in on Winnipeg. Uh-huh. You you referenced that poor soul friend of yours who had the Islanders in the cup. I <laughs> I uh, would dare say he had him over Winnipeg in the cup. Oh my so, god! I I didn't I didn't know that part of it, dude. That's ugly. <laughs> he was trying to go out on a limb and really call a shot, and uh, I don't know how that's gonna work out for him. But love it. Too too early to punt. Too early, and again, like one of the one, one of the teams we gave short shrift there was the Penguins because we knew we were going to be talking to Yoey. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna jump to that talk with him with, with him next. Lots of lots of stuff happening in Pittsburgh. Very 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 busy on and off the ice. No better guy to talk about it than Josh. Uh, we'll be with him uh, after we hit this commercial break. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, we're psyched to be joined by my buddy Josh Yoey calling from the side of the road somewhere on the other side of the Peace Bridge. Dude, did the 5 a.m. flight from Winnipeg to Toronto and then the drive back down, <laughs> drive back down through Buffalo to Pittsburgh? Good God, dude. Uh, yeah, I'm coming to you, uh, I believe, from uh, Patty Kane's hometown in Hamburg, New York. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to get out of Winnipeg quickly. I wanted to get home ASAP. So that's just the way things roll. But it is a pleasure to be joining you, gentlemen. <laughs> the pleasure. The pleasure is ours. All right, so let's talk about this Canada trip. I think that was what the Penguins needed. That group did a good job of keeping it around 500, given everything that was swirling, all the injuries, all the COVID stuff, right? But it was time to move. I think when you look at the standings and there's all those teams uh, ahead of them, you know, come come Thanksgiving, it's like you got to start stacking points here. So I think six six and three games against the Canadian teams was was a was a was a necessary move there, right? Yeah, and that's the thing with these Penguins. Like they've had guys like Rodriguez and Danton Heinen who have actually really saved the day and been very good, but they weren't going to be you know ten and four after fourteen games with those guys leading the way either. So um, that's just the way it is. And I actually think they're in perfectly good position given everything they have been through but you're right Mm -hmm. they needed to put some points together and i didn't know if you know at toronto not winnipeg were necessarily the places to do so but to their credit they were pretty good and i guess the biggest story of all sean is tristan jari i mean he look at the numbers he's one of the best goalies in the league right now Mm -hmm. he was the biggest question mark entering the season he has been a rock. I mean, yeah, we, we were talking about Jari before night. we had you on, Josh. And, and our question is like, with, with a guy who had the playoffs he had last year, like, how much stock do you put into the regular season at all with him? Like, he's obviously been unreal to go through the stretch that he just had in Canada and give up one goal. Like, that's it doesn't get better than that in the NHL. But especially like from the Penguins' decision making standpoint, like, how much stock can they put into him in the regular season right now? Like, are, are we to the point where it, it's all just kind of like prologue to the playoffs here? Or is this something that, that you think people can put a lot of, of stake in right now? I think they do put some stock in it. Um, you know, if he had maybe had three or four playoff series in a row where he imploded, maybe it would be fair to, you know, kind of call him a playoff choke artist. Like I see it on social media all the time none of this means anything until may like well i think it does i mean you know what what he went through after that series um and it was interesting he actually talked for the first time about a a conversation he had with ron hextall and and jari implied that he thought he was going to be traded over the summer and hextall essentially said to him in august no 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 we're not trading you you're the guy and that kind of helped him relax i think and to see him play the way he has, I think it's really encouraging. And yeah, he still has to do it in the playoffs, but you have to get the team to the playoffs first. And you have to prove that that all-star run two years ago wasn't some fluke. And maybe he's doing that right now. So sure, 
he'll have plenty to prove in the postseason when that time comes. But I still take some stock in this. I think the organization does too. He's always had the physical ability. The guy was a second round pick, which is a really athletic goaltender. Um, yeah, I mean, I I, I, I want to give him some credit right now. I, I don't think it's necessarily fair to him to say, well, none of this means uh, means a damn thing until the playoffs come. I, I disagree. I, I think he's playing at a high level, and that's an encouraging sign for the Penguins. I think the Crosby thing is interesting, too, because I it, Sullivan consistently over the last, whatever, two weeks has always been, and th- this is even before the COVID comeback. This is, you know, after the risk comeback. He's been really, he's been, he's been kind of slow rolling the Crosby comeback, right? Where he's like, you know, you got to, you got to be realistic about this. Like he's playing, he hasn't, he hasn't played a hockey game in five months. Like he seems like he's keeping expectations down, which I feel like is kind of a smart move because like you said, you know, Crosby's not, I mean, I know that it always comes with the asterisk. He's getting older and all that stuff, but he, he, he's, he's, you, you, you got to figure he's going to round into, into, into form more than he has. You do. He has looked uh, strikingly ordinary mm-hmm. in his six games. Um, even his first game back before COVID with the wrist, it did not play well that night. I, I wouldn't say he played poorly on this trip, but he's still only had one point in three games. Uh, I mean, that that's not what we're used to seeing from Crosby. And part of that is because the power play is an absolute disaster right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but he doesn't have any explosiveness in his skating I suspect it will come. And now that he's 34, you always think, okay, is this, you know, are we seeing some mm-hmm. decline here? Because that does happen at that age. Um, that's not an abnormal thing. Or are you seeing a guy who didn't have training camp and who has barely practiced with the team? And, you know, guys in their 30s typically do take a little longer to get going when the season starts. So I suspect that's what it is. I, I saw some signs last night of him rounded into form a little bit. Um, but the legs just aren't there at all. Like I've never seen him be the first person uh, to go to the bench at the end of a shift more than he did these past three games, it was especially in Montreal. But all three games, like, whoa, he, he was just gas. Uh, you could see it, and that's not something you usually say about him. I saw you had some – you got some thoughts on what happens whenever Malkin comes back in terms of who they should play him with, right? Like your your boys, your boys super sniper Dan Heinen, should, should he get a look on the, on the, on the second line whenever it returns? Well, maybe. Uh, Here's my thought. Jason Zucker, he's not quite the player the Penguins thought they were getting two years ago. He doesn't suck. He just, you know, hasn't been as prolific in terms of scoring as anyone expected. The thing with him, he doesn't really play well with Crosby. And guess what? He doesn't look good with Malkin either. That's a problem. But uh, in these couple of games with Jeff Carter, I think he looks okay with him. If you can have Jason Zucker and Jeff Carter... And maybe Evan Rodriguez is your third line. That that's pretty scary depth. That's interesting, especially when you consider you can have Bluger, Aston Reese, and uh, Brock McKinn is you know what maybe the best fourth line in hockey, one of the better ones for sure. Uh, and then you still have your top six with Crosby and Malkin. You know Sid's going to play with Rust and Gensel. So who does that leave Malkin with? He's good with Kapanen, but you still have a hole there on the left side. Just a thought. Danton Heinen's got six goals in 18 games. He's doing something <laughs> right. He has a fairly high skill level. I don't know who would do the dirty work on that line if it was those three. It would not be Malkin or Kapanen, so I guess it would have to be Danton Heinen. Um, just a thought, though. You don't always need your six best forwards in the top six. Mm-hmm. Uh, we certainly saw that in 2016 with Phil Kessel on the third line. 
And if the Penguins were to, you know, pull that off and Heinen and Rodriguez keep producing, that's an unbelievably deep forward lineup. It really is. And, you know, that's probably something they can build on. Heinen has been a pleasant surprise. I, I didn't have real high expectations for him when the season started, but the guy's done nothing but score goals. I'm really glad you brought up the the McGinn Bluger line because they have been, you know, in addition to being one of the better checking lines in the league, they're putting the puck in the net right now, and and that's huge. And I I wonder when everybody does come back and they're slotted where they're supposed to be, like that, that's a that's a lineup that I think can have really grown from playing without Crosby and Malkin for this time and and be deeper and and be able to just go four deep and, and roll them in the playoffs, which you really kind of need as as your superstars get up in age where they are for these guys. No, that's exactly right, Max. You don't want Crosby and Malkin playing 24 minutes a night in the playoffs. You just don't. And they don't want that either at their age. They know they're not as effective when they play that much. That Bluger line is so good. Um, it's one of the best defensive lines in hockey. Zach Asteris doesn't have a goal yet, and he, he's frustrating because you'd like to see him finish more. But he is so good defensively. My God. I mean, he is just a shutdown defensive player. And Bluger has kind of merged into that role as well. And Brock McKinn, you know, he's new to Penguins fans. Um, I, I'll tell you a real quick story about McKinn. Uh, I'm going to name drop, too, because it's fun. It's a podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude. When the Penguins signed McKinn, I got a phone call from Pittsburgh's own Vince Trocheck later that <laughs> day. Vinny. And he said, holy hell, are you going to love this guy? He said, this guy is an unbelievable player. You can play him top six. Um, he'll score playing bottom six he gets the job done he does everything and and he's been excellent he really has uh those three are good together um that's a shutdown line and they like you said max they can score too uh they, they drive offense enough uh to the point you really they're a good third line i think so if that's your fourth line um that that's a scary amount of depth for a team that lost brandon tanov and jared mccann in the offseason uh, to still have that kind of depth that that speaks uh, speaks volumes to that forward unit they have right now. Mm-hmm. And then the other the other big story the last week, and this will we can, we'll let you go on this. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but the sale, the Lemieux Group selling the selling to Fenway Sports Group. I know that's kind of odd timing because they go on this big trip uh, right after that. But I don't know, man. Any stray thoughts? Any any bits you've picked up over the last over the last week there, as, as far as as far as that situation is concerned? Well, I will say that everybody I have spoken to or spoken with, rather, in the organization, they're more upbeat about this than you would think. Any time an organization gets sold or is about to be sold, in this case, uh, there's always some fear. I don't care how much money the people have, right? Um, but the sense is that there aren't really going to be any changes in the short term. Nobody's losing jobs. Uh, These people have an enormous amount of money. They want to win. Uh, We've always known that Mario and Ron Burkle were going to cash out at some point. Um, It's been inevitable for a long time now. And the sense I get is if if they were going to sell to anyone, these people were probably the way to go. Uh, I know some people will be concerned that there are no Pittsburgh ties. I think uh, Cam Hayward, uh, the Steelers' defensive lineman, said something yeah. along these lines. Yeah, which, Cam which was caused a stir. Cam was <laughs> Cam sounded nervous. Yeah, that was uh, that was really funny. He did. <laughs> uh, spoken like a Pittsburgh kid. But uh, listen, the Penguins aren't going anywhere. Uh, these people, it's easy to say, oh, that's just you know, uh, just something to add to their portfolio. Well, maybe it is, but they don't strike me as the type who like to lose. They like to spend a lot of money. Um, so. I'm yeah. kind of intrigued. And the biggest thing, and if those 
those of you listening who aren't in Pittsburgh might not know about this, but there, there's an area of land around the arena, and mm-hmm. there's been a fight going on for more than a decade in terms of what to do with that land and to build it up, the bar and restaurant scene, et cetera. And I was told by someone in the organization that this is a priority for this group and that these people have negotiated these kinds of deals. They can get it done. It's embarrassing, really, what's transpired over the last decade with this yeah. situation. People listening in Pittsburgh know about it. So <laughs> maybe some fresh eyeballs will help. It's almost like the last ownership group didn't want to build it up at all. You know, you think (laughs) (laughs) parking, they had other priorities, parking receipts, (laughs) parking receipts are, are gold baby. But now I, that that is, that's one of the funny things about, about the Fenway group. They've developed stuff around, they've developed stuff around the ballpark in Boston. They kind of have that, they have that multi-prong thing, right? That's why people are talking about streaming services, potentially, like all that sort of yeah. stuff. There, there's a level of ambition there, I think. Yes. Uh, that 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 maybe we're not we're not we're not quite used to. No, there there is, and uh, the Penguins aren't going anywhere. Uh, they've got a lease with the city. They can't go anywhere for 20 years, and and the Fenway Group, like they were attracted to the Penguins. I think they said, "Man, this is like a really well-run organization that makes money and." A new building, great sports town. This is something we want to be involved in. They weren't trying to buy the Carolina Hurricanes or the New Jersey Devils. Like they, mm-hmm. they recognize the Penguins are a big deal, and and you know I think the price was right for Mario and Ron. It'll be very interesting to see how things go here in the next couple of weeks. But from everything I've been told, it's a done deal. It's just basically the paperwork at this point. And um, yeah, it's it's something to note. It's very interesting, but. For a Penguin fan, I, I don't think there's any reason to be fearful. No, there's no reason to be afraid of that group in the first place. Like, yeah, they added yeah. it to they added it to a portfolio, right? But it's an it's an asset they want. It's an asset they want to make money off of and put money into over the next over the next million years. So you got that you got that going on. But the thirty year lease, the seven year uh, mandatory right. waiting period to apply for free location by the league, like this team's the team the. The, the team's not going anywhere. Like that's just, that's no, just not it's, the cards. It's a model franchise, really. Mm-hmm. It's the most successful franchise in the NHL in the last 30 years. Um, you know, they, they generally are profitable. I mean, which not all hockey teams are, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's, it's, it's really probably a good move um, for the fan base. I, I don't think there's anything to be afraid of. Mario's still going to be around for what that's worth. I know that will make some people feel a little better. Um, no, it's, it's an interesting story. But it's not a bad one for Pittsburgh. I, and I, I hear nothing but good things about this group. These people, they're winners. They want to win. They know what they're doing. Uh, mm-hmm. this, this is not a bad thing for the Pittsburgh Penguins at all. The only, the only problem is they're deviating from the big organizational plan because they're in a playoff spot right now, which means they can't miss out and then win a lottery and start the entire process all, all over again. It's a shame for them. Well, there is a fear. Like, you don't want to become the Maple Leafs like circa 95 through 2005 where, you know, you're always just barely making the playoffs, mm-hmm. but not really a legit contender. The Penguin way, as we know, is to find <laughs> a way to draft Shane Wright in a few months. Exactly. So bottom so out, I, bottom bottom out, and get lucky. They're gonna they're, they're gonna cycle back to that at some point. That's what soon. they do. That's what they do. <laughs> That's All right. right. All right, buddy. We'll let you. We'll let you finish up the drive. I know you're somewhere, somewhere in Western New York, and have have have, have a few hours ahead of you. But now, pre- appreciate the time. Travel safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Anytime, fellas. Take care. See you, Josh. Thank you. See you, guys. Uh, that was good stuff from Josh. He said he was... <laughs> I don't even know if this came through because we were having connection issues, but he said he pulled over in Hamburg, New York, home, home of Patrick Kane. So, yeah. Dude's a gamer. Took a long flight from Winnipeg, and I was schlepping his way back down, back down I-79 North. 
come coming back to Pittsburgh. He's he's uh he's one of the greats. Very nice of us to uh, disrupt that uh, already painless drive with a, a pullover on the highway with multiple uh, <laughs> multiple reconnects to make that work. I'm sure he found a good a good place to spot. Probably hit hit up some fun roadside food or whatever. If if I if I know my dude, I'm sure that was part of the plan. But yeah, good stuff from Josh. We're we're gonna throw it to a break here, and then we'll be right back with a couple thoughts to to finish up and send you guys out. All right. I think a big part of the dialogue here in late November, and it's crazy to think, but we're, my gosh, one month, two months, two extra weeks out from Olympic hockey. It's time to, it's time to seriously start thinking about these rosters. I, I know we're going to have more, a whole lot more on this, on the site coming up, coming up soon. But as it relates to the U.S. Olympic team, my big question right now and Maxie, you can jump in and answer this if you want. Is it time to seriously consider putting Jack Campbell on the roster? Like you look at you look at the American goalies, situation's pretty good. Connor Hellebuck is, you know, no doubt starter. John Gibson's playing, you know, playing his whatever has has righted the ship this season versus the last couple. You got Thatcher Demko in the mix. He's certainly a guy who we sort of pegged to be on the roster initially. But man, Campbell's it. Campbell's at 944. He kept the he kept the Maple Leafs afloat, I think, for for a little bit earlier in the season. He's got international experience, as as we all know. Is it time to seriously consider slotting Jack in there somewhere? I'm I'm starting I'm starting to believe it's yes. I can't and you know, you look at those at those three guys I just mentioned and, and a couple others for for that matter. I wouldn't have thought that was the case in like September, but I'm starting to get swayed over to, to that side. The third goalie to me is such an interesting like, mm-hmm. how do you pick it? Because it's it's a guy who you're not expecting going in the tournament to play maybe to play at all, all, right? And so, like, you got to have somebody who you, who you know in there can handle that. And I do think mm-hmm. – I don't know Jack Campbell personally. I know him solely from watching the Amazon series. But I do think he kind of <laughs> has the personality that he could he could do well in that role. Definitely. The I mean, some someone said it. I, I can't remember who. So, shout out, to, shout out to whoever said this on Twitter. But, like – Put Jack Campbell on the team just because just because he'll up the vibes. Hundred percent. Like he's a he, he's a he's a fun dude to be around and a funny dude. Like the the counter argument is that you look at say Demko and say maybe at some point down the line he's he's the number one guy, right? Like is maybe maybe four years from now, maybe in various other international tournaments, like he seems like he could be a staple of the program mo- moving forward. And that's and that's no knock on Jack. It's just that Demko's got the. Demko's got the contract and he's got he's got the cred and he's got you know the the history in the, in the last couple of years to think that maybe if you're bringing a guy who's kind of in that developmental spot and like like maybe that's how you use your use your number three spot right as, as you say this guy isn't going to contribute now necessarily but he could down the road and that's and that's kind of what what we need to use it for but I don't know man I you you look at how Campbell's playing you look at you look at the kind at the kind of duty is you know, you look at the story that he would that he would bring to the Olympics in, in in that in that team. I think um I think I'm almost there. I'm I'm a I'm about ready to to pencil in Jack Campbell. Check back in like two weeks, three weeks, whenever we release our updated Olympic rosters for the Big Five. But I'm leaning I'm leaning in that direction. Canada desperately trying to swing a trade for one of these one of the, for the citizenship of one of these many Dude, strong American okay. goalies. Who do you is it flurry? Like is that just what is that just, is that just like no brainer now? Because yeah, I think it probably cause, is because of because of what because of what Price is going through and because Carter Hart was 
horrific last year. You, well, Hart, you can't, Hart probably makes can't the, turn stuff over to him. Hart, he's gonna make the t- yeah. he's gonna make the team. He's gonna deserve it now. But like he's you know whatever six months removed from playing as badly as as, as anybody we've ever seen. Right? Yeah. No. Like oh, I think Flurry's Flurry's got to be your guy right there right now. And then the th- the the third goalie will be yeah Thatcher Demko acquired from Team USA for a condition a conditional second round pick and in, in, in the twenty twenty four international draft or something no you got to hold out for like uh mark stone or matt barzell or one of these guys who's going to be on canada's third line <laughs> no we've we've established we've established that mark that, that matt barzell stinks now he's have he's, he's having a bad season so yeah so yeah canada feel free to just flip them flip them over to us how about james Patterson, like, who actually was born in indiana how about that we'll take them <laughs> We'll take them or or one of the seven centers or that that we had on the initial roster. These guys can't all play. Give us Couturier. He was born in Arizona. Let's take let's let's take one of them. You can have you can have Thatcher Demko. It's fine. Thatcher Demko for the other half of Sean Couturier's <laughs> citizenship. <laughs> Who says no? <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. Uh, I mean, I've, I've been looking at this expansion, not expansion, relocation stuff this week. And obviously the Quebec premier, Francois Legault, saying on RDS that there could be some meetings with Gary Bettman about another team in Quebec. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Merrick got a comment from, from Bill Daly basically saying they, they talked over the phone, but no meeting planned. Uh, and, and obviously, I think, you know, d- given the uh, the source on the initial one, like you can, you can see some political lobbying outlines in favor. But I want to know, like, is Quebec even if, if there's going to be a relocation? Is Quebec even number one on that list right now for you, Sean? It's it's Houston still, isn't it? Like if you think that the Coyotes are the team that's in trouble, they had a very a very auspicious move to the Central Division recently, which coincidentally is the same time zone that that Houston is in. I still think they're the one that makes sense from a geographic standpoint. You can keep them in the West. The issue with Houston is that you know is that. Tillman Fertitta, who owns the who owns the Rockets and has the lease to the to, to the arena there, a team would have to be owned by him. And he and he's talked about buying one in the past, but you know the pandemic wasn't wasn't great for him. So the question, I guess, is whether the league is interested in Tillman Fertitta, and if Tillman Fertitta has has the kind of cash that is willing to spend the cash on a on on a, on a hockey team. But you got to figure just from just from a lot of different from a lot of different perspectives, Houston makes sense. You know, that doesn't mean that, that the Quebec City stuff isn't interesting, but I don't know, man. What actually constitutes a meeting, right? Like, is it a meeting if you're if you're if you're the Quebec Premier and you call up and you call up uh, Bill Daly or Gary Bettman? They're like, yeah, okay, we can talk about that eventually. Like, is that is 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 that enough to go public with? I, I feel like this was a misstep by 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 them, honestly. Well, if you actually want to get a team, like, yeah, I, I think you're probably right because at this point, like, now you're putting. Uh, a spotlight pressure, like all these things that, you know, if I'm in the NHL shoes, I would not be, I would not take especially kindly to having it, it uh, brought to light this way. If it was something I was seriously, seriously considering. Um, it, it, if you're the premier of Quebec, the only thing better than not getting a team is letting voters know that you're think that you're tr- quote unquote, trying to get a team, right? Like, like maybe it works out. Pro- it probably won't. But at the end of the day, like this guy can hang his hat on the fact like, oh yeah, we tried. We're, we're, we're doing our best here. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think Quebec could support a team. Like, you know, the, 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 that is as passionate of a hockey region as exists. So 
if you want to bring one to, to Quebec City, I guess is, is where it would be. Like, I, I think that could be good for the league. I'm I'm just not sure that the league necessarily is. is I mean, it'd be like it'd be like Winnipeg Redux, right? Where you where you don't have like a strong corporate base there, but people are just so crazy about it that it that that it works out financially one way or the other. I f- I feel like this is something that you know, it's 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 a fun podcast discussion and it's a fun thing to kick around just just as like a thought exercise. But it really doesn't it really doesn't feel like this is something we need to take all that seriously. You know what the third best thing is behind being the premier who brings Quebec a team, being the premier who uh, says they're trying to bring Quebec a team. The third best thing is being a podcaster. Who gets to keep talking about whether Quebec is getting a team? Thank you, Francois Legault, or whatever, or or whatever this guy's name is. It, it's 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 already out of my head. He's given us the perfect way to finish up the. Again, this is the last the last post Thanksgiving show period on on the of the of the athletic hockey show. That's actually not true. We have the Wednesday show coming up too. They always say um, if you don't have an NHL team by Thanksgiving, you're probably not going to have one by the playoffs. <laughs> 80 percent of all NA, of all NHL teams in cities do not relocate by the end of the season. <laughs> if, if if they just they just stay put where where they are in Thanksgiving, it's an old rule of thumb. And I think it holds <laughs> true this year, Sean. All right, dude, what's going on? Any big Thanksgiving plans? Is it a is it a normal? Is it are, are you having a normal one up there? I hope you are. Yes, we are. Uh, we're gonna have. Uh, Thanksgiving brunch with uh, my girlfriend's mom in the morning, and then we're going to drive uh, over to beautiful Grand Rapids, Michigan, for uh, to see my my family in the afternoon. So it should be a really good time. How about you? The double header. I'm proud of you. Yep. No, I, that's that's all. That's always been part of the mix for me. I typically typically eat eat at my mom's uh, early, and then head over to my grandma's on on, on my dad's or my my aunt's on on my dad's side for the uh, for for round two slash dessert slash. Uh, Slash primetime football. Are you so yeah, are you I'm a psyched, two turkey all systems go two turkey meal guy or are you like a pre meal and then the turkey meal or vice versa? Oh, I'll, I'll typically I'll typically go hard on t- on turkey at my mom's and then make the make the third or that make the second meal like let some some leftovers maybe hit hammer the sides there and that's where that's where I hit up hit up the desserts baby it's pie time I feel like it's brownie time well, I feel like it's whatever else we didn't do the obligatory draft your thanksgiving plate thing here god it's tired <laughs> tired it's been it, it's it's been done we're all about original thoughts here on the athletic hockey show that's why we're talking about nhl <laughs> when i was an intern right, buddy. i was an intern in pittsburgh i once asked sean if i could steal somebody's tweet as my lead and Sean was like, "Yeah, I haven't had an original thought in years, so I'm glad to see you both." <laughs> I do it all. I, I do it all the time. I'm just I'm just an amalgamation of stolen shit. That's all I am. Love it, buddy. I hope you're back next week. Get out of here, Custins. Ne- never want to talk to you again. Max all day, every day. Let's roll. <laughs> happy thank Happy Thanksgiving, dude. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for having me, Max. Thanks to you, and thanks to everybody who's listening to this, man. Thanks for listening to the, the Athletic Hockey Show. This show doesn't exist without you guys. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to leave a rating and review as long as it's good. No four-star reviews. We're five stars only here. Uh, you can also subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. And if you're listening to this, this is going to go live on November 23rd. You have six days to get in on our best deal of the year. Available right now through midnight on the 29th of November. $1 a month for 12 months when you visit the athletic.com hockey show. That is $12 for an entire year of everything that goes up on our site. 
So go ahead, get the sports coverage you know you, d you deserve. It's not going to get any better than this. Next week, the plan is to have two-time Stanley Cup champ Sean Thornton, Bruins legend. He just wrote a really, a, a really, really fun book. We're going to have him on to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. And the return of my, of my best friend, Craig Custance. He's back, supposedly. Until then, happy Thanksgiving. To those listening in Canada, have an awesome day at work on Thursday and Friday. Uh, I think Christmas is in a month. That'll give you something to look forward to. Take care and thanks again.